Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Well, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm recovering. Uh, so I, I took uh, I took a day off. I had some friends in town and uh, and handed the reins of the daily update to you. <laughs> I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't burn the place down. At which point you wrote an article that I completely disagreed with, and I had to like <laughs> res- restrain myself from writing on top of it, saying how wrong you were. It was kind of funny, all the caveats. The day before, James is writing an article. This is his opinion. I in no way agree with it. No, I, then, no, no, no. I was trying to be fair. I didn't say I in no way agree with it. I just said it's James' opinion. It's not me, you know. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, it was funny. I, I had a friend who reads it as well, and he's like, wow, he's really distancing himself from you, isn't he? <laughs> well, it, it was weird because on one hand, like, I, I liked the idea. I loved you doing it. I, I, it's great that it's totally different for me. On, this, on the other hand, um, you know, I've had this kind of, I, I've had a, another getting in another debate about like publishing and small publishers and the jungle thing, uh, mm. this week with, with Felix Salmon. And, um, one of my kind of core precepts that I've talked about is that people subscribe to people. They don't, you know, mm. you know like if, if I sold Stratechery, like we were joking, if I sold Stratechery to the street, you know, which is like a collection of newsletters, basically, um, you know, I wouldn't expect its success to continue with someone else writing it or whatever. Um, and then like the very same week, like you write an article that like, I didn't agree with like crap. People are going to read, they're going to sign up to think what, so I, I just want to make clear, very clear. Yeah. You were very clear. You were <laughs> no, very no, clear. I, I, I totally you were very clear. <laughs> no, I tried to take very care to say it's James opinion. I didn't say whether I agreed or disagreed. If you could, if you wanted to read into it, that's fine. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I just wanted to needle you a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was trying to walk a fine line. So anyhow, uh, we have a lot more listeners to Exponent than we do subscribers to Daily Update, sadly. Um, and usually I don't like to, uh, you know, I don't want to give away all the goods and talk about everything that, that was in the Daily Update. But I think we can make a special exception in this case because you, um, one, because it was a guest writer, you, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, because you were wrong. And I want to tell you why you're wrong. Oh, I always love it when you tell me why I'm wrong. But I guess I guess we better start off by explaining what I wrote about. Yes. So shoot. Um it was it I mean the the prompt I guess for the recent FAA regulations on drones. Um the FAA is introducing a whole series of new regulations, or at least it was leaked to the press, um, around drones weighing less than fifty-five pounds. And there are some pretty stringent regulations. So commercial use of drones is has been extremely limited, but um, people were kind of expecting that that would be lifted. And plus, um, people who use them for recreational use have had, by and large, pretty much free reign to do whatever they want. And so there are a whole bunch of rules that are being introduced, and these include uh, you can't, the drone can't leave line of sight. Um, it, you know, the, I mean, the most, the, the biggest one was you need a pilot's license. Uh, they're also treating all drones under 55 pounds exactly the same. So you get these, you can get some pretty serious gas power drones that weigh like 40 pounds. I, there's there's a Boeing one called the Scan Eagle. And that, that's going to be subject to the exact same set of regulations as like um, one or two pound drones that um, amateurs fly, like the Phantom is a popular one. And so obviously people were getting pretty upset about this. Um, uh, there were a lot of the a lot of folks, everyone from Jeff Bezos to um, folks in in um, the legislature to um, a lot of the the people who are flying them for recreational purposes came out um, against it. Um, but I I don't know. So I, I I actually I mean we've talked a lot about how regulation can stifle uh, innovation and in particular. Uh, it seems that in the States there's been a little bit of a history more recently about the government stifling disruptive innovation on uh, the part of incumbents. And maybe there's a case to be made that that's what's happening here. But I actually, I'm a little worried about these drones. I, I'm worried that, that the potential for ill use is so high with these things that it warrants a very, very um, considered approach. I'm going to stop there and see if I, I'm, I'm worrying I'm, I'm getting dangerously into monologue territory. No, 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 no. St- that was good. It's a good, it good overview. We got to, you know, got to distinguish between the framing the situation and monologuing. So I would, I would, I would, I would leave that under framing. So what, what okay. Right. So that, that's the situation well, as it is. And you're concerned. So why are you concerned? Well, the, there's this opportunity for misuse of these things. Uh, this is, this is basically the first time that there's been a, there's an, uh, 
These things represent a physical manifestation um, of a of a person, effectively a person's intention, either at the time if they're remote controlled or could be pre-programmed. And previously, when people people do quote unquote bad stuff, uh, they had to get themselves in the position to do bad stuff at one point or another. So, uh, I. Obviously, there was a pretty tragic events that happened earlier this week in Sydney. There was a crazy gunman who took over um, a coffee shop and it looked like it was a terrorist-related incident, but it sounds like it was just a, a wacko. But generally, if someone wants to do something like that, they need to be there. And as a result of that, they risk their life. Or if they're, if they're thinking about using a bomb, they either need to be there at the time and they obviously will be giving up their life or they risk um, being seen by video footage depositing a bomb, as is the case with the Boston bombers. The thing about drones is it completely changes the equation of that. People are able to do things like, because the drones represent a physical manifestation of of a human being or a human being's intentions, and they, they exist in the physical world, they can do things on behalf of the person without the person actually being there. And I, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to go into too many of the potential use cases where really bad stuff can happen, but I, I quote a few of of examples where it, it turned out that uh, bad stuff didn't happen but could have happened. And one of them was uh, there have been drones spotted flying over nuclear power plants in France. There was a drone that was flown over a, uh, uh, a football match, uh, like a racially charged football match. It was carrying a flag of one of the nations. And there was a guy, I think it was in Connecticut, who was arrested. Fortunately, they caught him before he did it. He was going to load up a bomb and fly a drone into his school. I, I think the opportunity for this kind of thing is is rife. And and as the last piece of context, I guess, I mean, there's a lot more detail in the article. Um, but the last piece of context, I, I, the 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 use of un. un Unmanned aerial vehicles has expanded dramatically um, uh, by the American military. Like a lot, it, it's like they're starting to disrupt traditional uh, military aircraft. Like pilots aren't being trained as much, or the pilots that would traditionally go into traditional fighter craft are now being trained on drones. And it's this is a disruption in the sense that um, these devices, these UAVs that have been used for military purposes. Um, are much cheaper. Um, they bear much less risk of human casualties because there's no human or, um, uh, military casualties anyway of the of the nation that owns the drone because there's no pilot in the drone. The pilot is back somewhere remote controlling the drone. But as the technology's got cheaper and more accessible, it's opened it up to it's opened the use up to more people. And that includes the people that have been on the receiving end of, of the use of, the, of this technology over in the Middle East by uh, American drones. And I, I worry there's a distinct possibility that someone's going to use one of these things for ill intent. And it hasn't happened yet, but I, I really think it could. And I think it could be really bad when it does happen. So um, just and just to be fair, I, I know like you you sent me a draft of this a while ago before this this stuff happened in Sydney. So it's not it's not like you're like reacting to this isn't like no. a reactive sort of position. You've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah. Um, I will actually grant you that everything that you said um, that drones are uniquely dangerous because yeah, I mean. The whole thing with a suicide bomber, the reason it makes it dangerous is because you can get a bomb into a place that's much harder to get into because someone's carrying it. Mm. And and the reason that you can get it in is because the person is willing to give up their life to do it. Right. And and now th- that expands it outside. You don't need you don't need someone who's, you know, so committed to the cause or brainwashed or whatever, whatever description you want to use to make this happen because a very rational person who values their own life can can inf- can theoretically inflict similar damage by using a drone. Mm. Um, I think that's totally true. It's totally fair. Uh, and I'm actually not going to argue with any of the the facts that go into your argument. It's the conclusion mm. that that I think I have trouble with. Okay. And the reason I have trouble with it is what on earth is regulation going to do to make this better? Like these drones exist. Bad mm. actors exist. And... It, you know, I, I hesitate to use this because this is the, the argument used, you know, by, you know, by like the hardcore gun, gun rights activists, especially. But um, if you ban the drones, 
only the good people are going to obey the ban. Like the bad people are still going to listen to it. You know, and I, I think that, um, you know, if you take like gun control for, for an example, mm. like there are, there's minimal, like zero gun crime here in Taiwan. There's no gun crime in Japan. And why mm. is it? It's because they're, they're completely banned. It's almost mm-hmm. impossible to get a gun here. Right. And if that's an approach you want to take to drones, that might be a viable approach because the risk right. is so great or the, they can be used for such harm. We're going to ban them completely. But if you're going to have a a not complete ban, uh, I, I don't know that there's really kind of a a middle path to follow here. I completely agree. I mean, I, I completely agree. I this is one of the things that I grappled with as I wrote it, and and you asked the question when you saw the early draft, like how do you actually stop this? And it's it's so so the FAA rules that are being proposed are going to stop unintentional. Um, uh, unintentional harm. Uh, so it's going to stop. It's it's going to stop drones flying around, piloted by some kid. I mean, one of the examples I give is a, is a drone crashed into um, the Sydney Harbour Bridge the day before Fleet Week, which is, I mean, to think that 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 could happen. And the train driver saw it and thought it was a bomb. I think these regulations are going to to go a long way to preventing unintentional harm, like keeping people away from airports and things like that. Your point is incredibly well made. It's it's going to be the people who want to abide by the rules or who will abide by the rules that aren't going to do something like that. But it's, what are you going to do about the bad actors? And I, I think part of the reason I wanted to write it was to air this, to, to have people start to discuss it. And I do think that a complete ban is something that it should be under consideration. As part of like researching the article, I took a look at some of the UAVs that are available for purchase right now. The I, I will put a link to one in the show notes. I, I saw a video of one and it was doing, this is like a foot or two foot in, in diameter. It's a relatively small thing. And it was doing upwards of 100 kilometers, upwards of 60 miles an hour, uh, incredibly maneuverable. Like you put a few of those things up in the air and you go after, I mean, someone else posted on the forum about how the Pirate Party crashed a speech by German Chancellor um, Angela Merkel with one of these things. Like you, you would have to have the best, even the best trained defense uh, uh, secret service or whatever would not be able to stop a few of these things if they were determined to do it. And I think the risk, and that's just one example of what could happen. There are many, many more. And I, I I think the risk warrants considering a complete ban. These things could conceivably be as dangerous as firearms. And the difference between, I mean, you said at the start of, of your response that um, the, the gun lobby says, uh, you know, everybody has more guns, things are more safe. And, you know, in an environment where there are lots of guns, that might be true. But I don't think it's the case that... Um, uh, that drones can protect against drones. At least we're not there yet. Uh, uh, it's 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 a slightly different circumstance to guns. I, yeah, I no, no, no. Th- I, I wasn't saying that. That I actually I didn't make that point. That guns protect against guns. I mean, because I think your your point about there being accidental harm prevented is a good one. Because the, yeah. the truth is, there's a there's a, a huge number of gun injuries um, that are caused by guns being around and being available mm. and. Uh, and like the U.S., the proportion of suicides that are inflicted by guns way higher in the U.S. than anywhere else, just because guns guns are available. Like there's there's lots mm-hmm. of examples of this. Um, so I guess my point isn't that it's more it's more the 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 broader point that I don't think anyone would agree with is that if if an object is against the law, uh, that will dissuade people with good intentions, but it won't dissuade people with bad intentions. I mean, if they're no, if they're, I, and, I agree. And, so. I, I, guess I guess the I guess one it, thing about it well, I guess, is that if if you see one up in the air and they're completely banned, then you know that there's someone doing something they really shouldn't be doing. No, totally, and that, that's what I mean. I think the I think it's more of a uh, I don't want to say intellectually honest because that's not that's not the right one. More of a realistic, I guess, is the word a more realistic argument that they should be banned completely than it is to say that we should have you know if your concern if your concern is terrorism or if your concern is this sort of use then then the argument is that the most, the best argument is that they should be banned. I, I don't see, I don't see the logical jump from these could be used for terrorism to we ought to regulate them. I, I uh, If it's anything short of a complete ban. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually think it's, it, it's very, 
interesting that you brought this example of the of the person in Connecticut, and you mentioned that they were caught before they used a drone to deliver a bomb. Um, weaving aside whether they even had the capability of doing that, I think that's actually much more of the solution is effective police work, effective cooperation. And I think for terrorism, this is something that that a lot of people advocate, including myself, that much more effort needs to be spent on police work and prevention and building alliances, building allies uh, to limit, to, to, to detect terrorism before it happens, as opposed to having these heavy handed blanket things that, that aren't really, you know, focused or, or, or anything like that. Yeah, no, in, I, I absolutely agree with the principle. Um, I, I'd say that in the, if I'm recalling the article correctly, the instance of this kid was a disturbed teenager posting about it on social media about how he was going to do this. And, and someone saw it and brought it to, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that was my recollection. Nevertheless, it's, we're talking about a, a high school kid as opposed to um, someone who's, who's, you know, who's thought about this a lot and who's determined to do it. And what scares me is that whereas traditionally for, for an activity like this, terrorist activity, you'd need a lot of people in order to have a big concerted attack. Um, the, the, the problem with drones, the ability for them to be programmed is that conceivably one person could, could launch a whole series of attacks simultaneously in multiple places using these things. And it's, it's really, I mean, just using the internet, it's using encrypted signals. Um, he's bought a bunch of drones. He's taken the time to go and gear them all up, leaves them behind. And then all of a sudden in 10 different cities all at once flicks a switch. They, they come to life and away they go. Now, again, ideal in an ideal world, you'd have, you'd have police, um, you'd, uh, like investigating and catching people doing things like that but but the, the extent to which a physical manifestation you can have multiple physical manifestations um, following out uh, a, a person's intent at any one time it makes it much harder to catch because there's much less collaboration between people that's required and that's often where where these guys get caught right I mean I I Maybe I think you, what you're, you're describing someone who is incredibly sophisticated. Uh, one, I highly doubt. I, 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 I'm suspicious that one person could pull off this this massive distributed attack. So for one, two, I think it would still be a group of people. I, I think the much greater danger is the idea that people don't need to be physically present, present or they can be a ways mm-hmm. away. Um, two, if if someone has this level of sophistication. Um, again, mm. we're back at square one. What on earth is regulation going to do to stop them? I mean, if they're if they have the the sort of competence and know how to put together a widely distributed attack like that's relatively mm. autonomous, um, I'm pretty sure they can get around some bumbling bureaucrats. That's true. Again, I, I like. I think this is one of these instances where you make them less available. Uh, you, you like again in in a world in which they were banned, in a world in which you're not allowed to see them. People seeing these things would alert it, alert people to the possibility. But again, your point's really well made. Uh, well, the, it's it's really hard to stop. No, well, I agree. Well, I think there's one more thing that maybe will will make you feel better. And we, <laughs> what is it? What is it? Godwin's law that uh, eventually all comment threads devolved to Hitler. Um, oh dear. We, we, yeah. We, oh no. I thought it was if you if you the first person who mentions the Nazis loses. Uh, it's not, it's it's some variation on that. But uh, we need a similar we huh. need a similar law for this podcast, which involves uh, all podcasts eventually end up at Uber. Um, oh dear. And <laughs> <laughs> the Travis law. So you've made the point with with Uber that although like uh, terrible actions by Uber drivers get a ton of publicity, and by the way, there was another one yesterday. Like, and this is mm. getting like this is <laughs> I, Uber. No, Uber thing. is in Uber is in a real crisis right now. I think um, like this could this could spiral out if, if it hasn't already. Um, but that aside, your your point was that if you look at the odds and the fact that if you're an Uber driver, you can always be tracked. And so there's heavy incentives against doing bad actions as opposed to a taxi where someone gets in, no idea who got in, whatever, right. all that sort of stuff. Um, that actually, you know, just if you look at all the things around it that uh, it's safer, if you apply that same sort of logic to terrorism, um, if you look at it, 
objectively and uh-huh. without letting emotion get into it and reaction to events get into it. Um, isn't mm. it in terrorism in general, the same sort of thing? I mean, we, we talked about, Oh, you know, getting in an Uber is certainly safer than driving a car. Well, how many people die in car accidents or something along those lines? Well, mm. I mean, 3000 people died in nine 11 and I am not in the slightest minimizing that it was, it was an awful event. It was horrible. It was super mm. traumatic. Like, most Americans, if not people around the world, I remember exactly where I was and exactly how I found yeah, out. Me too. But that's still a fraction of people that die every every year to to car accidents. A fraction of people who get die from gun violence. A fraction of people die from all, all kinds of stuff. You know, the number of people died over from terror in the U.S. in the last what fourteen years it's been. It it's not that large yet. The investment and the that that we've made in these anti-terror things and the infringement mm. we've made on liberties and the, and the actions we've taken abroad and the damage we've done to our, our fundamental principles with things like torture. Like it's, it's been out of whack to this, to this. It is a threat. I'm not saying it's not a threat, but it, it's yeah. not in proportion. And I wonder if your, your response mm. to this potential threat like, is it is it out of whack? Maybe. I, I hope you're right. I, I'd say that the, the one thing that gives me pause for it not being out of whack is that in every instance of those things that you're talking about, traditionally you want to conduct a, an, uh, you want to, you want to take, you want to participate in terrorist activity in some way. Generally, you put your life uh, at risk and this changes the equation dramatically. Um, I, I would also say that it particularly changes the equation if you want to go after a high value target. But uh, everything you right, say like there, a, like I a presidential complete, assassination or something. Exactly right. Like you have to put your body on the line to to do that. Like and and there's this famous quote that it's it's really difficult to stop a man who who's willing to give his life. Now, uh, imagine you, like when it's a robot. It, it again, uh, it's it's very easy to it's it's. It's much easier for a rational actor to to say, "Well, I'm willing to give the robot up, like a thousand dollar robot, than to give my own life." And these things are going to get better. They're going to get cheaper. They're going to get faster. And and it, it yeah, it, it that that kind of concerns. Well, me. The best argument is, I think you made it. You made it in the article. I can't remember, but it's the fact that the U.S. basically engages in more military actions now in countries that we're quote unquote not at war with, and the reason they do it is because it doesn't take people. Like right. they're doing all these drone strikes because the fundamental calculus has changed. Like the calculus right. to engage in an act of war has changed dramatically because you're no longer risking a person's life. And so you start to think that same way about whether, I mean, we've talked about it a lot in terms of terrorism, but it, it could be, it could be someone who's, who's mentally unstable. I, I mean, it's it's the the, the uh, yes the point you've you've made the point perfectly and the question is whether that changes the number of people substantially um, and and we're starting off a very low base but you change the number of people substantially and, and using these things to do some I mean it, again it doesn't take much imagination to think up some pretty evil use cases for them so do you advocate so I mean would you agree. I mean, do, do you really think there is a middle way here, though? Like, um, can you can you can you get away with allowing them but regulated and somehow limit terrorism, or is the only way to limit terrorism to to ban them? I know we covered this, but I just want to just want to clarify. I I'm I'm not sure I have a good answer, which is part of the reason that I find this this whole um, topic so troubling. Um, but I, I, so part of the reason I wanted to write it is I wanted to think about it. I wanted to dive into it. I, I someone on your forums, the Stratigraphy forums, made the great point that, um, that particularly in the instance of um, when there are useful and positive, um, when there are useful and positive outcomes that result from a new technology, even if there's a dark side to it, then we let it out of the box and. I, my natural inclination is to agree with that. But if we do do that, I think we need to have, there needs to be more consideration of the, the, 
the downside, the, the potential dark side involved with these things. And and right now, I just I, I feel like nobody's talking about it. Everyone's pointing at Canada and saying, "Well, these these guys are letting any any drone less than four point four pounds is is good to go." And I, I just I mean it, it's. <laughs> Like nobody's thinking about how these things could be misused, and and I it's it, I mean I guess it's human nature to always wait until the bad thing happens before you try and protect against it, but it just seems so obvious to me. Um, is four point four pounds? I mean I don't know you you've researched I, you researched this more than I have. Like, could, is a four point four pound drone uh, powerful enough to carry a, an explosive device? I mean, how much does a grenade weigh? It doesn't weigh very much. Yeah, I suppose. Um, no, it's interesting. By the way, I think the, the Connecticut thing, I think that actually was police work. I just did a quick, quick search. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I had a look then too. It wasn't, it was, it was a Moroccan national, um, targeting a school. Um, and he was stung by the FBI, uh, telling, uh, telling them about how he'd researched it for some time. And, uh, yeah, they caught him and arrested him, uh, charged on terrorism. Uh, so you're right. Good old fashioned police work. And I, I hope that continues. I also, you know, the other thing I worry about the first time one of these things successfully goes off, there's going to be a string of copycats. That's the other thing that worries me about it. But in this instance, they got him, which is fantastic. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I get your angst. I, I guess, you know, I kind of like, I wonder if there's like some, some connection to like this stuff that's going on with like Sony, for example, and, and the, and the, the hack and all that sort of stuff where, uh, that's a part of the reality of the internet, right? And and we we have on this program talked multiple times about the good part of the internet, but there's lots of bad parts. And uh, it's I guess it's it, it's it's good to talk about and be aware, but realistically, like is is there really anything that can be done? I mean, be, be, like. So I, th- this is, I mean, so I, again, I, I put myself in the shoes of of a secret service agent and having a look at the drone that I, I would like to link to on this and just thinking there's no, you, you have 10 of those things flying towards somebody. There's It doesn't matter how many people you have and how good at shooting they are, you're not going to stop them. And I was like, you, you actually would need to start thinking about equipping the secret service detail with EMPs, that's the only way I can think of to stop these things, which sounds nuts, but I, I don't know. If someone really wanted to try and do this, I don't know how else you would stop those things. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's it's almost like an unsatisfactory discussion here because I, I, I have no choice but to uh, acknowledge that all the concerns you raise are correct, um, but I don't. I don't have any easy answers either. Again, beyond just being a devil's ad, or you know, beyond pointing out that your solution doesn't work, haha, without actually having one of my own, you know, <laughs> uh, on the other side. Um, I, so here's the question, though. I, I mean, I, I think one of the things we've raised is banning them. And on balance, would you ban them or not? I mean, if you were king for a day. I mean, I, my initial reaction is that, like, that's what's the point? Because, um, you know, like, why are you, you, they're out there, right? They're they're in, they're going to be in Canada. Why not just carry them across the border? Um, or fly them across the border? Yeah. I, I, on the other hand, uh, there's no question that. Um, well, it, it actually, there's a question. I mean, there, like I said, there there are lots of countries in the world where there is basically no gun violence. And the U.S. is a huge exception in this regard, and it makes me a little hesitant to adopt a kind of U.S. pro-gun stance, effectively, like the same arguments being like, well, you can't ban them, you only ban them for the good guys, blah, 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 um, knowing that that argument actually isn't true because there are lots of countries where there isn't any gun violence, and a big part of that is because it's really hard to get a gun, and right. any gun is presumed illegal. I just, yeah, and I, I, I can't help but think that the more of these devices there are out there, the more likely something bad like this is to happen. Just in the same way that, yeah, for exactly the same argument that you've just made. So, um, I'm, I'm going to force the question on you again, and I expect you to entirely turn it around on me. Would you ban them or would you not? <laughs> No, I, I guess I would say 
I guess I would say I, not, I guess how I, tortured you. No, are. I mean it, you you like you you raise a, a compelling argument. It actually is really easy. I mean the most probably the most compelling argument that that's easy to think about is is a political figure, right? It's just it's very um it's pretty or, easy. Or a plane? I mean like an airplane, like you fly a flock of these hundred dollar things towards a, an airport, and you're bound to cause some serious damage. Yeah, well, you just but, fly them into the engines, right? Right, and and there've already been pilots. Re- I I saw one of these things when we were um, flying over Los Angeles once, and it was seriously close. I was like, "You're kidding!" I, 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 and I, I again, I've, there's no there's no um, <laughs> There's nothing to say that there was an ill actor involved, but it was it was actually like, is that a bird? And then it's like, no, that's actually a drone and it's flying around an airport. And you hear reports of pilots talking about these things all the time. I guess the 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 trouble that I have is mm. it's really and I've said this before, I've talked about this with the internet, I've talked about this with publishing. It's really easy to think about bad things. It's easy to envision bad things that will happen. And it's a lot harder to really think about the the positive side of things, usually because the positive side of things come about as as part of ideas or concepts or models that that haven't been envisioned yet. And so the the reason why I think this is fraught is, um, yeah, there are a lot of ideas about about stuff that drones can do. There's not there's not yet that really killer use case out there. But it, I'm you know anything anything is anything is a balance. Is you're balancing the the upside with the downside. And and right. yes, it's easy to think of a downside and see it being really significant and a big deal. I'm not minimizing it. I'm concerned that about making that call and that declaration without truly understanding what is the upside that we're foregoing. So I totally agree with you, but I feel like the, the debate has been completely the other way around. I I feel like I am not reading or seeing anywhere anyone talking about how this could be Absolutely. Like it could, it, it is fraught. All I'm seeing is like people in um, the, um, the legislature talking about, well, France and Germany can do this. Are they smarter than we are? No, then why aren't we doing it? All I see is Jeff Bezos saying, we're going to, America's going to miss out. Like um, all I see is people pointing at the Canadians saying they're doing it. Why can't we? All these amazing, all these amazing use cases are going to open up. I, I'm not seeing anywhere people talking about the downside. Yeah, no, and this is a huge problem with tech in general. I mean, like there was a thing, you know, there, I think there's thing they like, I think secret relaunch or whatever. They basically ripped off Yik Yak. Um, but like all, the, all those apps are just like pet breeding grounds for bullying. Right. I mean, they're they're location based and anonymous. So you can diss someone at like your high school um, and no one will know who it is, but everyone will know who you're talking about. Like it, 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 it's and and Yikak has spent a lot of time and effort trying to crack down on that, putting geofences around high schools and things like that. But it's still it's still an issue. Um, and in general, I think that we as an industry do do a very poor job of anticipating and thinking about bad actors. I mean, think back to, to, to Microsoft and, and the internet and all that sort of stuff. Like they, they built all these really clever technologies that made it really easy to do powerful stuff. And on the flip side, made it really easy to do malware and viruses. And we are all continuing to suffer because of that. As a result. And, and, it, and that's exactly the sort of thinking. It's only thinking about the upside and not thinking at all about about the downside. So, so I'm quite amused because you've kind of contradicted yourself a little bit. I, oh no, maybe you haven't. Maybe you said society in general tends to only think about the downside, and people tend to ignore the upside. But the tech industry is guilty of the opposite. Would that be a fair characterization? I, I think so. I mean, obviously, I'm speaking in very broad generalities, but I do think that that yeah. that does tend to be the case. And it's such no a strength worries. for the for the industry for tech, right? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a Silicon Valley to not to just think about like yeah, I, I totally agree. But I'm sorry, I'm not letting you off the hook. Are you you king for a day still, Ben? You've still got twenty three hours and fifty five minutes. Are you going to ban these things or are no, you? I'm not, not going to give you a, a better answer. I mean, I, honestly, I, I to <laughs> you haven't given me one. No, to 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 your credit, um, yeah. and I think that's why it's valuable. You, you wrote this. Um, you're right. It's not something I, I hadn't really given deep thought about to drones used in, in this way before. 
and and that's that's a bit of a problem um but that said because of that like i i don't I like to pride myself on not making snap decisions on anything. So, <laughs> I, I think you know, even despite everything I've said, I think I'd still let them continue. But I do think we need to be doing a much better job of recognizing that these things are as dangerous, if not more so, than guns, and thinking about how they could potentially be misused and starting to protect ourselves against them, as opposed to waiting until the plane flies into the World Trade Center before trying to take airport security a little bit more seriously. Well, but I mean, now we're back to ground. I think this is square two. Uh, the, the, um, the people on those planes didn't, they, they, everything they had on board was according to regulations. Box cutters were not against the law. Um, and even, and even if they were like, there's been tons of documentation that the U S airport security stuff is all, it's all security theater. None of it's actually affected no, 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 a determined I, person. What, what the problem there was, poor police work it was poor putting the dots together you know because there was evidence that these people were going to do that it wasn't discovered in the it wasn't connected it wasn't acted upon and i guess that's that's a big part of of my thinking about this is yes i i so big picture um i have a few conflicting things one i think it's a problem that good people will obey laws and bad people disobey laws so what what good are laws going to do here um right Sorry about the crying baby background. Uh, no, no, no. Everybody loves the baby. I, I, we've, I, we've, we've already. I, I think. I think you're probably speaking. That. You're probably speaking uh, a little too broadly on that one. <laughs> well, I'm on the other side of the Pacific Ocean, so I don't mind the crying um, baby probably as much as you do. <laughs> number two. Uh, so one is the is the good the good the good the bad bad people. Number two is the idea that uh, then again, just by and this is. Yeah, I learned this from personal anecdote, but it's very true. Having lived in societies that outright ban guns, actually outright bans can work, um, at least in the case of guns. And yes, there are guns here, like especially like the hardcore gangsters. But like when, when they're when they're used, they're like it's extraordinary circumstances and it's a big deal. And like it just it's not it's it's couldn't be any further from the way things are the way things are in the U.S. But number three is. I have a general principle and idea and belief, and I'm not alone in this. A lot of people believe this, that the solution to terrorism is, is police work, not military work. And, uh, and in that case, uh, it seems, it, it seems like there ought to be a better way to go about, like if our concern is terrorism, it's like, it's like the war against drugs, right? Do you, do, does anyone think that, just banning stuff and mm. you making stuff illegal has been effective there. You know, not, 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 not at all. Like we need in that case, you know, it, clearly that approach has failed. And that just gives me a, a lot of concern about going in a simple, you know, it's obviously they're very different things, but it, it, it yeah, I, I mean, I, that was the point I was going to make. These are quite different. And I agree with you around police work. In fact, I would say, I would say, so you, you drew the distinction between police work and military work. I think stopping terrorism is much more police work. And I think there's an argument to be made that in many instances, military work ends up exacerbating rather than solving. No, exactly. I was going to, I was going to say, I was going to say the same thing. But I would say though, that you need a multi-tiered approach and the idea that police work can catch everything, I think is a very optimistic one. So I agree. There's a whole bunch of security theater in that happens in the, in the, uh, in the U S and I'm, I'm not convinced that it does, a, it, it does anything to make us, uh, to make us actually be any safer. But I would say that, that measures like putting, um, putting in place uh, bulletproof doors in, in cabins like that, that and make restrictions around who can get into the cockpit and, and things like that. They are sensible things that would help prevent another attack should someone actually manage to get on the plane. And like, I just well, don't well, see them being the reason, able to the reason get into why, the cockpit. The reason why nothing's going to happen again on a plane is because no passengers going to let it happen. You know, like w- w- before the, the, the commonly accepted wisdom was if, the, if a plane's hijacked, you just sit quietly and they're going to land at some airport and negotiate or whatever. Like we know we've seen this happen, like with like the shoe bomber and with like, uh, I think there's, there's been a couple other, a uh, couple other things where it's happened where the passengers will fight back. Like they now know what the stakes are. 
I, I totally agree. But again, though, if someone had been, if some, like, if, if I mean, this was written about in a Tom Clancy novel of all things, where where, where um, uh, a hijacker crashes a plane into Capitol Hill before it happens, and if someone had, this is the, I mean, again, it's human nature to wait until a threat eventuates and then protect against it from ever happening again. I, <laughs> I affectionately call it French military syndrome, where the French always seem to be fighting the last war. In in World War One, they were fighting the Napoleonic Wars, and in World War Two, they were fighting World War One, and it, it's why they haven't done so well. Like, I think there's value in thinking through these things before they happen and protecting against them. And again, if someone had thought about, okay, there's a possibility of hijacking. And uh, if someone gets in the cockpit and tries to fly one of these things, they could do some serious damage. You put in rules around like pilots aren't allowed, don't allow any anyone into the cockpit. They, they protect, they, they create these effective barricade doors. Like that would have actually stopped all that from happening in the first instance. And you wouldn't have needed to re- rely on a whole bunch of planes crashing and passengers now being the line of defense. But, but I mean... Th- that that takes a a certain mindset, a paranoid mindset, to th- think through all the p- possible things that can go wrong, and and again, this is something that I think is to the valley's credit is a paranoid mindset is not a great mindset for innovation. It's not a great mindset for for coming up with what's new and what's next. And so I'm I, I'm just I'm. But I'm not talking about this from the, the valley. Doesn't have a responsibility to deal with this. The regulators do, and. I mean, we, we've mentioned Israel and they famously have that concept called the 10th man, where if you have nine people in a room agreeing, the, the, there's the role of this 10th person to be the devil's advocate and think through how something bad can happen. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to write this because, yeah, everyone's being optimistic. No one's thinking these things through. And even if we don't ban them, at least having the conversation and thinking about it um, might have some of the same effect as something bad happening because people have started to think about it and, oh, okay, are there simple things we can do to minimize the risk this does happen? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I guess it's interesting, as you yourself pointed out, um, a lot of your arguments here kind of are the exact opposite of lots of arguments you've made made on other cases. You know, not just about Mm. regulation, but also about things like, um, like, for example, if we both agree that police work is superior... And uh, mm. maybe, you know, well, wh- are we correct then in our uh, feelings about the NSA? And, you know, because what if the NSA could pick up on? So here's a question for you if we're going to d- dabble in hypotheticals. What mm. if you knew that NSA wiretapping would consistently pick up on news about an upcoming drone attack? So you could either have NSA snooping and drone innovation, or you could have no NSA and no drones. Which one would you pick? I'd take no NSA and no drones in that circumstance. Well, that's, I mean, fair, good enough. But you're, 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 uh, so you value, it's just interesting. It's just interesting what, there's some real tension. I'd, I'd throw out here. the drones to get rid of the NSA, in effect, wouldn't I? <laughs> I but that's I, the thing, I though. I mean, we, you, you, it's really easy to say, we've said this a million times, at least we're trying to be self conscious about this. It's really easy to sit here on a podcast and say, this is the way it ought to be. When actually, there is a really there's a real tension between on one hand arguing against like drone strikes arguing against a military approach mm. to terrorism and on the other hand uh decrying the NSA decrying um the police using and by police I'm using a very broad term as you know police action versus military action um using all the mod- all the modern tools that are at their disposal Right. I, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, the end, yes, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, it is very easy for us to do it. I mean, I have a rationale for why I said what I just said. And, and that is, I, I, f- I feel like given what we know about East Germany, the idea that the government listens into everything everybody says is not something that I'm entirely comfortable with. And I think I, I, I the, the extent to which that opens, uh, opens up for all kinds of misuses is, is, is absolutely terrible and plus it actually puts the tech industry in the US at risk as a result of that because you you see you see uh, governments overseas starting to say well if they're reading everything that's going through it we're just going to it it, it has the effect of balkanizing the internet and i i think that that would be abs- that that would be a really bad outcome right yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah no i agree i mean the, the 
I don't think it's talked about enough. I mean, we in tech talk about it, but broadly the the kind of devastating impact that the NSA has had on U.S. tech companies. And I, we're, the, the reality is we're only seeing a little bit now, but there's lots of efforts all over the world to disentangle from U.S. tech companies. You know, that will take time to build and take time to, to, to build out, but it's, it's, for sure, it's for sure a real thing. Right. And so that, that was the response to that. But again, point well made. It's easy. I mean, it's easy to be king for a day, yeah. right? It's, it's easy to sit back on the armchair and have these opinions. But I, like try and be considered about it. But if nothing else, I think there's, there's absolutely value in, in bringing to light these things, to bringing to light these discussions and not waiting until someone, uh, it's someone intentionally misuses a drone to start thinking about what, what could possibly happen and how we could possibly stop it so as, so as to prevent that from happening and, and such that, because my expectation is as soon as something like this happens, there will be an extreme knee jerk reaction to ban them and it will take a long time for them to, to come well, back. It would be much. Well, that's the thing that, that's the thing ahead. though. I, I don't think I, this is, and this is where I disagree with your article, the most fundamental point. Again, uh, mm. we're probably repeating ourselves, but, um, it's, I don't think there's a middle ground. Either you ban them or you you have a much more permissive environment and really focus on the police work side of things. Because the reality is, I, I think the, the FBA regulations are ridiculous. They're ridiculous for all the logistical reasons that you listed, like they, the way they just lump everything together. They treat commercial mm. and, and amateur the same. Uh, mm. like they, and it's a real thing that any all the potential upside of drones are going to go away even as we don't actually get any real effective protection because bad actors will still be bad actors. Like I think in these debates, it's, it's, I tend to think it's more of an all or nothing sort of thing. And, and I think, I just don't think it makes sense to endorse a, a heavy handed regulatory approach that isn't heavy handed enough, if that makes sense. Yep, it makes total sense. All right. Well, it's super thought provoking. I I will admit you you um and uh, now I feel bad for all my my disclaimers, which weren't really disclaimers. Um, it is interesting. I, I, one thing that um yeah no go <laughs> I think that's as close as I come to winning on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Maybe maybe it's true. Um, uh, it's interesting you mentioned the or that I mentioned the the viewpoints being changed, um, you know, you know, just by living, which, which well, viewpoints? just by viewpoints on like regulation and guns and having seen bands work and things like that. Yeah. Um, right. The reason I, the reason you wrote for me yesterday is I mentioned I had, I had some friends in town and these are friends that I've known since, uh, known since high school. And, cool. uh, they actually, bo- both of them, uh, lived in Taiwan previously. Um, and, it was it was really it was it was great to see them obviously had had, had a very nice time um but I, I was really you know it was really interesting for me and the reason it was interesting was um i think we we've and i also read an article yesterday someone like five lessons i've learned from traveling for five years or something along those lines mm. and i do think that there's a there's a difference even between travel and actually living abroad uh, Absolutely, you know, one's kind of breadth versus depth in a lot of ways. Um, but a lot of his lessons were really good, and, and I, I thought it was. I just thought it. Would, it's been really thought provoking for me because I almost feel like a man in the middle in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is, it was clear just talking to them and interacting with them, and this is very subtle things under the surface, and like how how we made decisions about where we we're going to go or like scheduling things. Can you give me an well, example? I don't want to get too much into details, but just like like um basically I, I I'm not really I'm not I, this sounds weird, but I'm not like American anymore. But I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. Chinese or I'm not Taiwanese either. And what I mean by that is like uh you know, they talk about like low context communication versus high context communication, like that, you know, like the idea where you're very direct, you say things very clear, or high context is where a, a lot of things are unspoken, but there you you have uh-huh. to be very aware of your surroundings and things are going on. And America is very famous, a very low context uh, culture where if you don't say it, it, didn't, it doesn't matter, right? You need to say, say whatever it is. Um, even, but even within America, it's different, right? Like California is a little more passive aggressive, as you know, other places are more direct. Um, but it, it was just, it was really striking to me. And, and so I'm always here. And so I encounter cultural 
problems all the time. And the reason, part, especially because I'm married to to a Chinese, a Taiwanese, and uh, I interact all the time with their family, and I, I actually mostly hang out with with Taiwanese. I I don't hang out with, with foreigners that much, and. Mm. Uh, so I'm always aware of where I'm missing social cues or I'm missing, I don't quite fit the culture. Or there's things I don't quite get. Um, boy, this mm-hmm. baby's not get the garbage truck song. Um, but uh, at the same time, I realized when, when, when my friends came that I'm, we're at a little bit of a different wavelength now because I've been moving in the other direction and now mm-hmm. I'm not quite on the same, same level as them either. So I can relate to what you say a lot. And I, 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 I read the article, I saw you tweeted and I was kind of curious because you, you, you said it was really good and I could relate to a lot of it. One of the things that you said though that I very much agree with is there's a big difference between traveling and living in a place in terms of like the way you live your life there, your ability to commit. Um, when you're traveling, you can't really commit to anything and when you're living in a place, it completely changes and it's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to leave consulting because I mean, I, I swim three or four times a week with a squad. I want to I want to go do things, social things with my friends. And when you're in consulting, you're always traveling. You're not able to commit to something. So even though I was quote unquote living in a place, I, n- I never committed. And at the end of the three years consulting, I got I got I looked around and I made some wonderful friends, but they were all people that I'd worked with. Now it, it's interesting though. I, I'm I, I I'm experiencing something similar. But I'm going from a culture like Australia to America, and um, they're more similar. They're certainly nowhere near as different as the U.S. and Taiwan. Um, but the similarities almost accentuate the differences. And I, it, it manifests itself for me in a slightly different way in that I, I'm in this, in this spot where I, I don't know where home is anymore, which sounds re- really weird because I, I go back to Australia and my family's there and I have some great friends from high school and undergrad, and it's wonderful to see them. But the population of the country is 23 million. It's less than the population of California spread across a landmass, the size that's that's pretty much equivalent to continent, the continental it's US. It's basically the same and, population as Taiwan. Right. And it's, it's, and it's a continent. It's the smallest continent, but it's kind of, I don't know, it feels... And this isn't, I mean, I, I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but it feels small and people think about smaller things. They, they don't, it, there's not the same. And I mean, I am contrasting it to living in Silicon Valley where where changing the world is like top and front of mind for everybody over here. And, and, and you notice that when it disappears. And there's this cultural thing in Australia that we call tall poppy syndrome. And basically it's it's where if someone tries to excel at something, with the one exception being sport, then they get cut down. And I'd always thought that was a really negative thing, right? And, you know, it doesn't encourage people to excel. On the other hand, I, I in the US, I don't quite feel like I fit entirely over here. I mean, I, again, made some wonderful friends and I, I love it here. It's why I continue to stay. But it's there are cultural things that are very different from Australia that, that make it that that make it not quite feel like home either. So, so I, I think back to tall poppy syndrome and how I before I came over to the US, how I thought it was a terrible thing. But then I come over here and I I see extremes of income inequality that I I hadn't imagined back in Australia. And it's like actually, it's funny that tall poppy thing is actually like a cultural way of standard. It keeps people closer to the average. It, it means nobody gets too far ahead, but it kind of stops people from getting too far behind as as well as a result of the way that the government thinks about taxing and social security. It's it's just this interesting, yeah. Like the the closest I can come to it is like nowhere quite feels like home anymore. Yeah, no, that that's it, it, it's interesting because um, I mean, on, on one hand, I felt a little, uh, I felt a little melancholy thinking about this because it's from that sort of putting roots down and stability that you know you you get mm. the best sort of relationships and the the kind of like anchors totally. you know for your life and um. I'm I'm kind of irretrievably at this point. I mean, I've been I, I first came to Taiwan 11 years ago, um, or yeah, 11 and a half years ago. Uh, it, it's kind of irretrievable at this point, you know. Like I've I've left those shores, but by virtue of never having been born here, not being Chinese, like I look different. It's a much more of a a, 
um, homogeneous sort of sort, sort of culture, uh, I will never fully fit in. Like I, I've left the shores, but I'm never going to arrive. Yeah, no, but at I the get same it. time, um, I I think professionally and uh, intellectually, I, I derive great benefit from it because almost by definition, I have a different viewpoint than than just about everyone because it, it's it, I, you know the bad thing is I'm kind of in my own little world, but the good thing is that I'm in my own little world. And when you're looking at some at a place or a culture from the outside. Right. Uh, you see a lot more stuff that you don't see when you're when you're on the inside, and I uh, totally I, I don't know. I guess the reason the reason why I mentioned that, one I've been thinking about it because I was just gone this week, and but two I was also thinking about it in the context of you talking about this this drone thing, and um you know it's funny how in the U.S. It, what's so interesting about this debate is you really raise kind of like these two these two c- contrary impulses. One of which is the U.S. prides itself on being innovative, and we're not, you know, mm. and keep the government off our backs, and you know, the super strong anti-government streak, and and you know, the Wild West, and that that sort of ethos and mythology. On the other hand, you mm. have the we are all powerful, no one can touch us. Like, you know, don't don't mess around. In, in which case, your 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 argument taps into that, it taps into mm. the idea that. These things make asymmetric opponents far more powerful in a way that's really disturbing. In a way that you, the U.S. just doesn't care when the U.S. uses drones because it's, it's we're, we're obviously it's the right thing to do because the U.S. is doing it, and it's it's just it's striking how the contours of the debate that you just had they just had really highlight those things that I would imagine are again anecdotally talking to people don't people don't tend to be as aware of right. Yeah. And you know what? It does explain why in many respects. So, so this isn't an, this isn't an innovation that's, that's obviously at least not yet, um, disrupting incumbents. And yet for whatever reason, the government's slowing it down. And what you just articulated is, is the, is the most clear eyed reason as to why it's been slowed down, despite the fact it's not upsetting any incumbents. It's because, it's drawing at a very deep-seated tension in in like the American psyche between the innovation and between the like, I mean, I, I, nobody can touch us is the nice way of describing it, but like it, it's 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 like bad things don't happen here. It, it would be the you know like it, it's like the Hollywood type you know like everything's glossy and bad things don't happen and anything that could risk that is like stopped very very quickly. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting though that 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 that, that really you like I said you've really been the first one to really talk about at least that I am aware of. But again, we, we're still in a bubble to a certain extent, even a Twitter bubble, as it were, um, to talk about this angle, which you would think if if the FAA was really interested in getting broad support for the regulations, they would tap into right because it's always a politically popular angle. Um, yet at the same time, like they 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 I don't know. It seems like the the, the They've talked a lot more about privacy, which is interesting. I know uh, Obama has mentioned privacy specifically in the context of drones. You mentioned a little bit of your thing, like like snooping on celebrities. Um, I'm not really. I, I remain unconvinced that anyone actually really cares about privacy. I mean, look at the look at all the purient interest in these Sony emails about like, oh, what what bad word someone called Angelina Jolie or whatever. Like, um, people people yeah. are, are. I'm not sure that that's an argument that resonates. Well, wait until one of these things starts flying outside your bedroom window. I think there, <laughs> I think there'll be a few more shotguns dust. Yeah, I was gonna say that's where we're gonna get the real intersection with, <laughs> yeah. with guns for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I read somewhere that someone this happened to someone, and it, it, it wasn't they. They were just flying it around, and it was a little close to someone's house. And the person went out and said, "Please don't do this anymore." And they continued to do it, and there was a bit of an argument. So th- that kind of thing has emerged. I, I do think that if these things become ubiquitous, the idea that they hover outside people's homes or whatever, that privacy angle will come up a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's the other one that that just I'm surprised there aren't more people talking about it. Yeah, we'll see. Um- I don't know. I, 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 I hate having a, a conversation where I don't have a, a clear answer, but 
Um, the reality is. But Ben, here's the thing. Like after doing 29 of these with you now, I think I think we know we're talking about the right thing when there isn't a clear answer. Like this is where the fun and the interesting stuff is. It's it's <laughs> If we're talking about things where the answer is clear, clear cut, then I think, you know, you and I are having the wrong conversation. It's most interesting when it's like, oh God, I, I don't know what we should do about that. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I, by the way, I think my answer to you is no, I would not ban them. Um, I would, and I would probably went towards, uh, getting, I, I don't like the current regulation. And I think it needs to be a lot like the delineations that we just talked about. And the reason is that I think when you look at it objectively, um, yes, there is like, there's, there's massive risk here. Um, when you balance all the potential good with all the potential bad, uh, two things. One, I, I'm not. Sh- I, I, I maybe because I'm optimist and I'm of the tech industry, I tend to err on the side of optimism. And two, I'm just I, even despite the argument made about guns in in lots of countries, I'm mm. just very hesitant to think that a ban will be effective against bad actors, particularly when drones are going to be widely available in other countries. Um, so I, I, and, and it, it's consistent with my argument about terrorism broadly, that I, th- I think that the answer is better and smarter police work and cooperation and less military action that, as you noted, uh, tends to incite just as much as it, as it kills and prevents. As it yeah. solves. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I still, so and 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 I came to the same conclusion, but I am still worried about what the reaction will be the first time someone oh, does. Oh, yeah, this. no, for I, sure, I, for sure. I, I I feel like to think about this and to think about how it can be prevented before it actually does is going to actually is actually going to be essential for the industry because the moment someone does something crazy with one of these things, it's going to be. It's, there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction in entirely the opposite direction. Yeah, I, I, I'm not optimistic, though, just because, I mean, I've, I've said that lots of times. There's lots of things that the tech industry needs to be better about self-policing, better about thinking clearly about. And the reality is no one does. Everyone just, <laughs> and it's human nature. I mean, you don't think about, you just you just think about, you don't consider all the things that could go wrong. I mean, it's like with security, right? You think about this Sony thing. Like I'm actually mildly optimistic that after this Sony thing and after the Target thing, where in great news, uh, Target can be sued by the banks. Like go banks. Yeah. Um, and the reason that's great news is because the problem with security is it's really expensive and it's really hard and there's no measurable mm. return on investment. Like because the return on investment is that something doesn't happen. It's cost right, exactly, exactly, and that's really hard to to put on a spreadsheet, right? And but now, like, there's there's very ideally, hopefully, the banks winning against Target. There's very tangible, a very tangible number you can put on, like what what is the cost of bad security, and right. uh, but you take it to this thing, like you, it's just hard when anything is untangible and imagined. And where do you draw the line between just like being a a doom monger and overthinking things to actually, you know, doing a proper risk assessment. It's very hard. It's very, yeah. very difficult. And the incentives are very it hard is. to manage. So I, I totally agree. I would say that the, the nature of technology accelerating the impact it has on a more global scale, I think we as a race need to get better at doing this because some of the things we're starting to unleash the potential for them to have such wide-ranging impacts so quickly that if we don't get better at thinking through these things and um, uh, trying to predict them and and being better at reacting to them or being faster to react to them or trying to prevent them, then I, I, I again, it's I mean the Ebola thing is a great example, right? Like, yes, it's 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 self-limiting as a result of the virus, but uh, there's you know someone can get on a plane now and it can it can land in the U.S. It's that that wasn't possible a hundred two hundred years ago, right? But the the best way to control that would have been to address the the problem in Africa, you know, and like, I, I and like to, to, totally to set the fence too far out is, and again, this is back to the police versus military sort of thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. I, Yes, that's that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. But the other thing that big picture is, and and the reality is, is this stuff's being unleashed, and I I don't know that we can put it back 
we can put it back in the box. I think I just mixed a whole ton of metaphors right there. <laughs> you but, did, but I think everyone knows I, what you say. I've made the analogy both in this podcast and on, on Stratechery before that I put the internet and what is going to be impacted by the internet and the changes are going to happen by the internet. One, I think we're only at the beginning. And two, I think the only historical analogy is the Industrial Revolution. And the Industrial Revolution and the, the changes, it didn't just change business. It didn't just change how you made clothes. It changed every single aspect of society. We went from a society where, uh, where everything w- of, of feudalism and, and monarchy and, cent- and like th- all, 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 that, all that to, to completely different government structures, nations, different nation states. Uh, we went through lots of wars, including two world wars. Like it, it, you can look at it, and I think you can argue that World War II was like the end of the changes that were caused by the Industrial Revolution. Like, and the the reason isn't is because it was such a it's so fundamentally upset all the assumptions that underlied everything mm. that everything had to change and it was an awful tragic process of affecting those changes and it's a very real question if we really think we can do it better this time. I hope so. I mean, I <laughs> that's not a pleasant thought. Well, I mean, ideally, we we learn, we learn from history, we advance. Um, you know, things like democracy weren't really a thing back then, um, and I, I, you know, ideally, ideally, yeah. But then again, it just, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it comes down to how individual people react in situations like this as well. And yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's anyway, actually, I yes. mean, if you want to draw like a really bad comparison i probably should yeah, world war one world, right? world war one yeah no one actually really knows who shot archduke ferdinand right it, or they know who, they know who did it but like the motivations are really murky and it it, it basically right. ended up being an excuse to go into war and uh mm. you're talking about a scenario where you can basically assassinate a political figure without anybody really knowing why or how it happened totally that's exactly you're you were thinking exactly the same thing as i was world war one how it all Man, started. Well, we, I, we always say that that was a depressing conversation, but I think we've set a new record this week. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing about it. I, I don't know. If yeah, I, I, Merry, on that note, Merry Christmas, James. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, Ben. Absolutely. Uh, something pleasant to think about for the holidays. Yeah, so um, I, I don't think we'll have an episode next week. Um, everyone's going to be shut down for the most part. Uh, we didn't talk about this. Are we have an episode next week? I mean, I could, I could conceivably do it if you can. It's well, up to we, you. Well, we stay tuned um, if we will have an episode or not, or not next week. Um, but uh, I want to talk about the book talk at about some what? point. We haven't the how will you measure your life at some point? Maybe, maybe next week. Maybe that would be a Christmas topic. Oh, that's, maybe that's not a bad idea. It's probably kind of a a a way to have branched off from what we talked about a bit from the cultural perspective. Yeah. Well, well, let's see how we go. Let's see what happens. A week is a long it time. Is, it is indeed. Uh, well, Merry Christmas to you and to everybody. I was going to say that. You Thank made me you. Do it. <laughs> Sorry, we seem to be doing that a little bit tonight. From World War One to like Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah, yeah, wow. I blame it on the kids. We're getting groupthink. Oh, <laughs> Merry Christmas! Yeah, to I'm going to go and too. take away all those presents under the Christmas tree after today's performance. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, need, I need a drone. I need a drone that's specifically designed to keep kids quiet during podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a. And honestly, do you really idea. want to trade off that upside for the downside of? I yeah, mean, you you better not let me ban them if there's a drone to look after your kids. I mean, that's seriously. Right, that's right. Um. Let's let's wrap it there. That oh, was sounds fun. Good. I will talk to you uh, maybe next week. Otherwise, after the new year. Sounds good, mate. Right, See you later.